0: Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for allowing me to be here. So, my name is Matt, and I'm from Iowa. So, when I say Iowa, you say out loud whatever comes to your mind. I say Iowa, you say? Did you catch all that, brother? Did anybody say potatoes? All right, smart crowd. For whatever reason, everywhere I go, somebody yells out, potatoes! That's Idaho! I'm glad to be here this morning. Thank you, Pastor Dave, Pastor... Tony for allowing me to be here. It's always an honor and a pleasure. Uh, My wife and I left our careers 20 years ago. I was an engineer. She was a nurse and we built a marriage ministry from ground zero. We trained marriage mentors. We created a method, a biblical method of marriage mentoring and we've trained uh, 70,000 mentors all over the world in different countries and I'm going to unpack some of that this morning. The title to the message is How to Fix Your Spouse. So raise your hand right now, really high, if you know of a spouse who needs fixed. Raise it really high. Come on, come on, come on. Don't point at her. Come on, he's like, he's like, right here, Matt. Woo-hoo-hoo. You might want to move up front. We all know somebody whose marriage needs fixed. And before we get into any of the message, I mean, we all know this. Marriage is hard. There is no perfect marriage. So to clear the air in the room, look at the person next to you right now. Look right at him and say this. You're not perfect. Just tell him. Tell them. Stings a little, doesn't it? Sermon is over. Have a good day. Yeah. So I brought my toolkit with me. I'm going to talk to you about tools that we often use to try to fix our spouse or other people. We'll come back to this in a moment. But before I go further, if you're here and you're Maybe you're older, maybe you're widowed and you're not married and you're like this guy came here to talk about marriage and you're not married. Stay tuned in and here's why. Because if you're older and you're widowed or you're never to marry again, people are going to come to you and they're going to want answers. They want out of their marriage. It could be a coworker, a friend, a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister. And this morning, I'm going to give you a formula to give to them that we've given to thousands of people all over the world. And so just because you're not married, don't tune out on me. And maybe you're here and you're younger. Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe you're not even a teen yet, and you're like, this guy's talking about marriage. I want you to not check out either. Stay tuned in, and here's why. Because it's probable that marriage is right around the corner for you. It's going to be that quick. And I have a very special place in this message for you if you're young and you're not married. Stay tuned in. Maybe you're here and you're divorced and remarried, and and I want you to know that God's grace is wide and it's deep, and so as we get into some of these things, um, I want you to make the marriage that you're in the best that it can be. And for the rest of you who are married, happy, sad, glad, or mad, this is for you. Before I get into God's word, i got to really come clean on my own marriage. We have issues. My wife Pam, beautiful, smart, amazing, strong, and the day after we got married, we, I went over to her condo to load up her furniture because she sold her condo to move into my home. And so I get over there and I have a, a trailer hooked up to the back of my truck and, and I'm going to load up her furniture and move it into my home. I get there and you got to know something about Pam. Pam, she is very organized and she's very safe and she's very thoughtful. She's very pre-planning type of a gal and all of those things I i am not. And so I get there and it's all laid out and wrapped and probably alphabetized knowing her and we loaded in my trailer and then all of a sudden she comes up to me and she like puts her hands on my shoulders. And goes, Matt, 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 when we drive across town, drive slow. Like, okay, okay. And then she climbs in the trailer and she puts her arms around her favorite dresser so it won't get scratched. And I watched my wife climb into the open bed of a trailer. And I'm thinking to myself, this must be what wives do. I don't know. This is all new to me. And we take off. And I live in a large city and I'm weaving in and out of traffic, you know. And all of a sudden, I got hungry. And I saw a Taco Bell and I got hungry for a taco. (laughs) The problem is right at that intersection, the light turns yellow. Men, when a light turns yellow, you... Thank you. So I gunned it. I completely forgot she was even back there. You know, I'm thinking about tacos. And I whip the truck to the left, and I whip it to the right, and the trailer completely became disconnected, and it passes me. And Pam doesn't even know it. Her head's down, holding on to her dresser. And I, I yelled out the window, Pam, hold on. And that trailer slammed right into Taco Bell. And then she gets out and I get out and we exchanged words. (laughs) Then I go in and get three tacos and a Mountain Dew. (laughs) I'm going to stay focused here. We hook it all back up and we go home. And this is a very true story, but it's also a reflection of all marriages. We all have issues, right? We bring issues into marriage and our habits and our patterns. I call it baggage. You've heard someone say, oh, that guy's got a lot of baggage. We all do. We all do. And we conceal it, don't we? Like, I don't want Pam to see all the stuff that's in there before we get married. She'll never marry me. And so I bring it into marriage, right? You guys have all done this who are married. And after marriage, after you secure the deal, I lay out the luggage. Zip, zip, zip. Here's the whole me, baby. And sometimes that creates conflict. You try to fix each other. And I wanna go into the first tool that we often use to try to fix our spouse. And if you're not married, you're learning how to do this at a young age with a friend or a school teacher, brother, sister. We learn how to use these tools when we're little. We bring them all into marriage. Here it is, anger. Anger. Well, Why is it as a Christian man, that one of the first tools that I would grab in conflict is anger. Why would I choose it so quickly? Why is it that, whew, that's the first thing that you, you whip out, anger? The Bible says that human anger, here it is, never, never produces the righteousness of God. Human anger, my anger, never produces the righteousness of God. And I know we could have arguments over righteous anger, but I, I've been doing this for years and years and years, sat across the table from hundreds, if not thousands of couples. Anger never works. I'm guilty. How about you? Another tool that we often use in marriage is a screwdriver. I call this manipulation. It's like, you know, we learn when we're little how to behave in a way to get what we want, to get the cookie, get the ice cream. We scream, we cry, we throw a fit. In marriage, sometimes it looks like this. You go cold, you shut down, you quit talking. I'll show you and I'll shut down communication. Or if you're an affectionate husband and you often grab your wife's hand and, you know, well, that's all good when things are good, but when things are bad, cold as ice. Or maybe ladies, that's you. Maybe your husband comes home from work and you're not happy with him and you're an iceberg and you shut down communication. You withhold affection, you withhold intimacy. I'll show you, manipulate. I don't know if you've ever done the math on this, but I've read a lot of books in psychiatry, and I'll say this anger is one of the greatest forms of manipulation that there is. Anger. We use it at work, we use it with our friends, we use it with. It's like this you give me what I want, or deal with my anger, and that's manipulating. And I'm guilty. How about you? Another little tool that I have here is you can't quite see it from where you're sitting, but it's a little saw. It's a little handsaw, and on it, it's got these little teeth that cut, and they cut deep, and they cut quick. I call this words. Words. Words of contempt, words of accusation, words of anger, words of criticism. I don't even have to be mad. I don't have to curse. I don't have to yell. Why is it sometimes that we use the worst words with the people we love the most? We would never say that to a stranger. Finish this quote for me. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is a lie from the devil. You see, bones heal, and bruises go away. But sometimes the words that we choose hurt somebody for a lifetime. I could interview every single one of you right now in a room all alone with a notebook and a notepad, and I could document, sometimes somebody spoke words into your life. The Bible says that words have the power of life and death. It has the power of life and death. It could be a poison, but it could also be healing. And there's this huge differentiation between the power in a good way and the power in the bad way of words. And I could interview you and I could find a time in your life where somebody spoke words into you and it made you believe in yourself. It made you believe in your own value. There was no ocean, you couldn't swim. No mountain, you couldn't climb because of those words that came from a teacher, a pastor, a friend, a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a husband, a wife. And likewise, I could interview you and find a time where somebody used words against you and they hurt you and they cut you and they wounded you like it just happened yesterday. And in my marriage early on, I would do this with Pam and she would do it with me, where the words would come out that were toxic. And as soon as I knew they were going to hurt. And as soon as they left my mouth, as soon as they left my tongue, I wish I could grab them and bring them back. But I can't. It's too late. They hit their target. They did their damage. I only have a couple more here. This is sort of a guy thing. Girls can do it too. Women can do it too. I don't like what I'm hearing from my wife. I'll fix her. I'll use my tools. I'll I'll use earplugs. I see her lips moving, but I don't hear a thing. I'll tune her out. And I want you to know, as a Christian, the number one tool that God uses to reach people is people. And when a husband and a wife tune out the Holy Spirit, we tune out God and we can, then God uses other means to speak to us. And one of the greatest means that God uses to speak to us is our spouse. Are you listening? You opening your ears? And I'm guilty of not doing that with Pam. How about you? And lastly, have you ever thought of all the things you could do to fix your spouse? with duct tape. (laughs) Duct tape represents power and control. Adam and Eve in in Genesis, the Bible says one of the curses that fell upon them for sinning was that Eve was going to fight after his position. Like this, What's your role as a husband? What's your role as a wife? The family unit. I mean, I don't know if you've been paying attention today, but the families are being destroyed today by our culture. Like, like marriage is being destroyed, and our role is being compromised, and, and the teaching to the younger generation is, is really concerning. And whose role is what? For sometimes I want to use duct tape on, Pam. I'm like, honey, come here. I, I don't like what you just said to me. Come on get a little closer. Is that big enough? (laughs) You You know where I'm headed, and I want to silence my wife. But here's my problem. These tools are of the flesh, and they don't work, and you can't fix your spouse, and you shouldn't try. I remember early in my marriage, I was struggling in conflict with Pam because we're both outspoken. We're both strong-willed. We're both opinionated. We were clashing. And I was on my knees praying one night, and I want you to grab this moment because I think this moment is for you. And I was in anguish over my marriage conflict, and I just remember crying out to the Lord, and here's what he said with such a loud voice. He said, Matt, put your tools down and get out of my way. What do you mean, God? And he says, every time I use my tools, they wound my wife's heart. Every time I use my flesh and my tools and my knee-jerk reaction and, and, and my temperament, I hurt my wife. And he says, now, Matt, because of you and your tools and your methods and your ways, you're wounding your wife and her heart is becoming hardened. And now, Matt, she doesn't want to listen to me. Get out of my way. And that was a turning point in my life. And I want you to, if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. This is your sin nature. This is your sin nature. We're all born with a very specific way that we respond to conflict. Some yell, some don't. Some curse, some don't. Some retreat, some attack. We're all different. I know my fingerprint of sin. Do you know yours? The Bible says it's extremely healthy when you identify your own sin nature and you look in the mirror long enough to take responsibility for it. I hate my sin. Do you? And God says, Matt, put your tools down. You're in my way. And if that's true for me, and if it's true for you, then what is my recourse, God? You might be thinking, okay, what can I do? Like, what is the answer to conflict in marriage? And by the way, it's not even marriage. It's It's with all humans. Well, I'm glad you asked. How many of you know that all the answers to life's issues are found right here? So open up your Bibles to 2 Chronicles 7.14. This passage is not a marriage passage. 2 Chronicles 7.14 is found in about the first third of the Bible. It's the Old Testament. And if you've been in church long enough, you've heard this scripture before, and I'll come back to its meaning and its origin. Solomon just got done building a temple prior to God giving us this formula. This is a formula. As an engineer, I like math, I like science, I like computers, and I like code writing. And, and anytime in scripture, I like to find when God speaks, there's formulas, or there's, there's ifs, and there's do's, and there's don'ts. And before we get into this formula, I want to bring you to Hosea chapter two, just in your mind. In Hosea chapter two, God says something that, that you can't find almost anywhere else in scripture. He calls us his wife. He refers to himself as the husband and the people that believe in him are his wife. He literally uses this, these words over and over in Hosea. And here's what he says. Because this formula I'm about to read to you is a relationship restoration formula. It's miraculous, it's biblical, it restores broken relationships. I've seen it happen all over the world. It's a simple formula. God created it and it's powerful. And in Hosea chapter two, here's what happened. Here's what God says. My wife committed adultery against me. And in that that moment, what he's referring to is all his people worship false gods. Like that was the greatest betrayal in the union between our marriage with God. Just like in marriage, it would be sexual adultery. But in that moment, it was worshiping false gods adultery. And today in our culture, when we commit adultery, or if we do, the first thing everybody's going to say is divorce. Get divorced as quick as you can. But here's what God did when we committed adultery against him. In Isaiah chapter 2, read it sometime. He said, I'm going to chase after, I'm going to make it so that when you chase after your lover... I'm going to make it. He's talking to his wife. I'm going to make it so that you're no longer satisfied with your lover. I'm going to chase after you. And I'm going to make it so you you no longer even want to be with your lover so that you would come back to me and that I would forever be your husband and you would forever be my wife. How beautiful is our God. And then later in the book of Hosea, he repeats this formula on restoration. Let's take a look at it. Here it is. If my people... Stop right there, if. Anytime I see the word if, I like to circle it because it won't be long. Mathematically, you'll see the word then. If my people, this is code, if you do this, this, and this, then here's the output. Here's the outcome. You'll see it all in scripture. You see, healing is not just, God just doesn't randomly heal people. There is an order to this. He goes, if my people who are called by my name would do three things, humble themselves and pray, seek my face, And number three, turn from their own. Look at this up here for a second, everyone. Wicked ways. And when I first wrote this message nearly 20 years ago, uh, I got to that word wicked. And as I was writing this sermon, I'm like, oh, man, this, this sermon doesn't work. This sermon isn't for me. It's not for you. Because he said the word wicked. And that's the, in my mind, I'm like, well, that's the pagans. That's the God haters. That's the prophet killers. That's the evil, evil people. So I'm wrestling with this word wicked. And in my moment, in in this quietness of my heart, God speaks to me and he goes, Matt, every time you use your sin, every time you use your tools, it's wicked. Matt, your sin is wicked. Matt, when you choose to sin, it's wicked. Hey, Matt, when you don't do it my way, when you take your own way, it's wicked. And all of a sudden I'm like, it is for me. I am wicked in my sin. So I better open up my ears. And God says, if my people would humble themselves and pray and seek me and turn from their wicked sin, then, there it is, I love the word then, then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive your sin, and here it is, I'll heal your land, I'll heal your marriage, I'll heal you, I'll heal your wound, I'll heal your heart, I'll heal your family, I'll heal your situation, God says, I will pour a healing upon you. And I have seen this happen thousands of times when people apply this formula. And so what I'm gonna do this morning is I'm gonna back up and I'm gonna take you through these three things, but I'm gonna go deeper. The first step is to humble yourself. Humble yourself. Like, listen for a second. You want to know how hard it is to be humble? Like we're not born naturally humble. We're born selfish. We're born prideful. We're born, it's about me. It's about me. It's about me. And then we go on our Christ journey and we start to wrestle with it. But I'm going to tell you this morning, there's a time in your life where it's a hundred times harder to be humble. And it's when somebody offends you. It's when somebody betrays you. It's when somebody is unloving or disrespectful. It's when somebody calls you a name. It's when somebody uses their tool against you in that moment is the hardest time for you to be humble. Yet, yet God says, step one, be humble. I don't care who's right or wrong in the ar- ar- argument. Be humble. It doesn't matter who started it. Be humble. As I got deep into the scripture and I started searching the Bible cover to cover, I found the word humble over 88 times and I all of a sudden, it's like God unveiled my eyes and he's like, if there was one character trait that you could teach your children over and over and over through their whole life where God would pour blessings upon them, it's be humble, be humble, be humble. You guys know this passage where God says that he gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. He opposes pride. I don't care if you're a senior pastor. I don't care if you're an evangelist. I don't care if you know the Bible inside and out. If you've got pride, you've got a problem. Be humble. And I found out that I was the greatest failure because of my own pride. Most of the conflict was because of my own pride. Humble yourself. How Matt? And I want to now move you into some application to being humble. When somebody uses their weapon on you, keep yours in its holster. Humble men, hold back their anger. Be humble. Humble women, keep your anger in its holster. It's only going to hurt you. It's never going to help you. The Bible says that vengeance is whose? God's. Let him defend you. Take the high road. Somebody uses their hammer on you, as the Bible says. Somebody hates you. As a matter of fact, if you look closely at the formula, God always tells us to do the direct opposite of what we want to do. You you hurt me. It says, you give someone who hates you a drink of water. Get them food. Get them, if they steal your shirt, give them your coat. Like, God constantly, in the formula, tells us to do the opposite. You might be thinking, well, that seems impossible. It is without the Holy Spirit. But you know, when you get saved and born again, you get a supernatural filling of the Holy Spirit that gives you a supernatural ability to do the opposite of what you could ever do without Him. Are you tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit? Be humble. Fear God. In all conflict, what can I do better? Blame myself love Pam when it seems impossible, love her on the days that she doesn't deserve it, do the opposite of what my flesh is telling me, abandon my flesh, hate my flesh, leave my tools alone, stay out of God's way, and give that woman as much love as I can give her, even during the hardest moments. That takes a lot of humility, it takes practice. Be humble. One time, Pam and I got into a big fight couple years into marriage, and I got mad, and I I stormed out of my house, got in my truck, and I squealed the tires as I took off. I was like, I'll show her. Anybody here do that ever? Raise your hand. What's going on down here in Texas? (laughs) Oh, So I get about a block away, and all of a sudden, God knocks on my head. The Holy Spirit speaks to me. Matt, what are you doing? This is not a good time, God. Could you come back later? (laughs) Uh, I'm a little busy. No, what's going on? You want to know what happens when God speaks to you, when you're mad and you're angry and you're too All You know what we do almost every single time? We have the whole list of sin against the other person ready to go. God, did you see what she did? She said that she did that. She, 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 she. And God says, I'm not talking to her, I'm talking to you. My heart started to break. I'm such a fool. And the Lord reminded me that I'm called to be a man of love and kindness and patience, and I'm to love my wife, especially on those bad days, especially on those bad days, where she may not deserve it. And God reminded me that he sent his son to die on the cross, for my wife what are you doing man? and in that moment I decided to follow the scripture the formula humble yourself seek God and turn from your sin and so immediately I whipped into a grocery store to buy her flowers I'm like okay I'm going to do the opposite of what God what I want to do I'm going to follow God have you ever bought flowers for somebody when you were mad at them it's weird Just telling you now. And I walk up to the counter, I'm a little jacked up still. Yeah, I'd like to buy some flowers for my wife. And my bad luck was I got the happiest little high school girl in the world behind the counter. No offense to high school girls. She's like, oh, you're such a great husband. Oh, you're lovely, you're wonderful. What kind of flowers do you want to get her? The cheapest kind you got. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> Cut off the heads and wrap the stems. <laughs> I didn't do that either. So I bought Pam these flowers and I get in the truck. Man, the Holy Spirit's just crushing me. And I'm thinking about how I behaved and I'm thinking about the words that I said before I slammed the door and I'm thinking about my hate, my behavior as a Christian, as a godly man. And I pulled into my driveway and I put it in park and I sat there and I just started to cry. I'm such a fool. I'm a terrible husband. You want to know what happened between the flower shop and my home? God healed me. I didn't even get to Pam yet. I was hoping like in the movies, you know, I'd kick the door open and hand her the flowers and she'd fall into my arms and she'd tell me how great I am. Yeah, that did not happen, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Took her a couple days. But a couple days later, she came up to me and she said, When you walked in that door with those flowers, it made me glad that I married you. God healed it. Humble yourself. Especially when it seems impossible, especially when you don't think you're at fault, especially when it might be their fault. Humble yourself. Stay away from those tools. Before I go on to the next point, parents, I got something to say, and this is. This is kind of heavy. The number one teaching agent in the life of your children, the number one way that your children are going to learn how to deal with conflict when they get married, when they get older, when they go to college, when they get jobs and they have a bad boss or they have a bad moment, the number way, one way that they learn how to handle it is by watching you. Show them. Show them how to be humble. Show them how to be merciful. Once in a while, I'd hear my mom and dad get into a good one, and all of us kids, six kids, would be hovered around the register upstairs, listening. Yeah, good one. Oh. And I can't tell you how many times it would all get quiet. We'd come downstairs, and my father would be sitting on the couch, and my mother would be lying her head on his lap, and he was brushing her hair. What just happened? <laughs> Humble yourself. Number two, God says, humble yourself, now seek me. Seek me, God says, this is the formula. Bend the knee, seek me. And this one I'm really struggling with because right now in our culture today, you got any marriage issue, what does the world say? Get divorced. and It breaks God's heart. Here's what God's doing. Watch this for a second. God's got his hands out. He goes, put your marriage right here. Come on, seek me. I got this. I can heal it. Put it right here. You got kids. They're going to be affected deeply. You got a broken marriage. It seems hopeless. She cheated. You cheated. Who? God says, I don't care. Come on, put it right here. Seek me. Humble yourself and seek me. God says, I created the universe. I can fix this. Come on. Nope. I got this, God. It breaks my heart. Seek him. How? Unfortunately, we're getting where people are becoming biblically illiterate. Seek him by reading, praying. Get lost in this. Get lost in God's word. I can't tell you how many couples I've counseled in the last 20 years. Do you know what the Bible says about this? No. Do you know what the Bible says about that? No. Do you know what the Bible says about marriage and divorce? No. Do you know? You no, know? no, 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 no. I just want a divorce breaks God's heart. Pray fast. My wife is a prayer warrior. My wife is a Bible study warrior. My wife turns to Jesus with all conflict every day. My wife is a warrior. Seek him. Seek him. And this is where I want to call a quick timeout for you young ones. This moment is for you. If you're young and you're not married, stay tuned in right now. And if you're young, and I see a lot of young ones in the audience, here's what I'm going to ask you to do right now is to make a promise. And here it is. You're young and you're not married, and, and it might even sound crazy to you. But in the future, you're going, girls, I'll start with you. You're going to meet a boy. And in the future, this, this is going to happen. And you're going to meet a certain boy. And all of a sudden, you're going to feel sick to your stomach. And you don't know why, and you're going to have feelings. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to investigate that boy. I want you to find out if Jesus Christ is his Lord and Savior. I want you to find out if this is his compass. I want you to find out if he's serious about this. I want you to find out, investigate. Is he kind to his mother? Is he kind to his father? Is he respectful? Is he kind? And if he isn't any of those things, walk away. Don't go on one date. Because your heart can fall so quickly for someone that God never picked out for you. And it doesn't mean they won't get saved, but it's not very probable that they will. And girls, I want you to hire a husband where on a bad day where you blow it and maybe you're not very kind and your tools came out and he gets mad and he tears off and the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of him and makes him go buy you flowers when you don't deserve it. And the only way that'll happen is if the Holy Spirit is in him. And guys, same thing for you. I don't care how pretty she is. I don't care how she flips her hair, you know, like that. (laughs) Did I do that right? I don't know. I'm not very, I'm sorry. I didn't do that very good. Investigate before you date. I just made that up. Investigate before you date. Make that promise this morning. Amen, parents? Then we go into step three. God says, humble yourself, seek me, and now you can turn. Now you can turn. Now it becomes possible. You see, we're lazy Christians. I've been a lazy Christian at times. And I run to God and I, I reverse the formula. This is a chronological formula. And, and God says, step one, Matt, become humble. Ah, 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 seek me. Ah, God, just fix it. Hey, God, just heal it. You see, we go to the end without doing the beginning. And God says, No. Matt, you're prideful, you don't bend the knee, you don't seek me, you don't listen to me, and you just want healed. And God says, No. And so, because I humbled myself, because I sought the Lord, then turning from my flesh becomes possible. And the blessings are amazing. Turn from your ways. I'm going to be at a product table out front if you want to talk to me after this message. I've got things to help your marriage or maybe somebody you know. I've got this message on a little travel drive. You can buy and give them. i got a couple books. i got a date night, uh, conversation cards to help couples get out of the rut of only talking about uh, kids and work and bills. Yeah, that's not very romantic. And so we have these ways to help strengthen your marriage. Come and see me in the common area. Humble yourself. Seek God. Turn. Follow Jesus. God will heal your home. He'll heal your family. He'll heal your heart. I've seen it thousands of times. It doesn't guarantee your partner will turn, but it guarantees blessings, and it guarantees God will heal you. And so I'm going to finish with the final story, and I need your undivided attention right now because I'm about to close, and this story I don't think you'll ever forget. Years ago, a guy came to me and here's what he said. I got married at a young age. My girlfriend was 14. We got pregnant. He was 19. Not a good way to start a marriage. They had no money. Their, their families were broke and their families were, had all kinds of abuse issues from their parents. So you had these two ships that collided in the night in their sin and they got pregnant. And so what they did at that time is years ago is they went to the justice of the peace and they got married there. And then they had another child. The man goes off to the military. He comes back a couple years later and and they're struggling to make ends meet. And he's got two or three jobs to try to to make it. and, And they're struggling and they get saved in a little bitty church. They find Jesus, but everything gets worse. And he comes home from work one night and here was a note on his refrigerator from his wife. Here's what it said I don't love you anymore. I've been seeing another man and I'm with him. You can have the girls. And this woman abandoned her post as a mother and as a wife. And this man was standing at what I call a crossroad. And I think every one of us will stand at a crossroad in our life of betrayal from someone, hurt, wound. And I believe there's two paths to choose when you're wounded and hurt. From a parent, from a spouse, from a friend, from a church, from a pastor. There's only two paths that I can choose. One I've already spoke of is to humble myself and seek the Lord and turn from my flesh and just see what God can do. Because there's miracles on the other side of that hill. But most people don't take that path. They take this one the path of contempt. I'm gonna hold you responsible. I'm gonna cut you out of my life. And they spend their whole life cutting people out of their life. Bitter, angry. Tools lead their cause. And I don't know how or why, but here's what this man decided when he read this note from his wife. He got down on his knees and he prayed and he said, Lord, I'm turning to you. I'm going to pray for her every day and I'm going to wait and I'm going to pray and I'm going to wait and I'm going to pray and he chose the path of forgiveness, of humility, seeking the Lord and turning from his flesh and his friends and family thought he was nuts. Divorce her! No. It's my wife. The mother of my children. The months go on and about a year later, it's hard. It was lonely. He gets a knock at his kitchen door. Like any other day, he would go to it, thinking it was the mailman. And he opened it up, and there she stood. Tears running down her face, lonely, scared, broken, repentant. Will you take me back? And he smiled. He put his arms around her. And he took her back in, and he forgave her. And that couple stayed married 60 years. And they had four more sons And one of those sons is me. I used to call my dad after uh, uh, training mentors all over the world. Hey, dad, I'm in California. I'm in Canada. I'm in Texas. I'm in New Jersey. Hey, dad, we're at 20,000, 30,000 mentors. Hey, dad, all this ministry is because you love my mother when she didn't deserve it. Thank you, dad. Hey, mom, you're a hero too because you came home. Don't miss that part. Don't miss that part. It doesn't matter what your sin pattern looks like. This path is always here for you. But I can't call either one anymore because they're gone. And I promised them that I'd share this message all over the world. My dad asked me to marry them Officially at a church right after their 60th wedding anniversary not knowing he would die a couple months later I said yeah you guys should have been there they never got married in a church it was small and over here were my, the groomsmen were my brothers and the bridesmaids were my sisters and my parents came down the aisle with their walkers <laughs> and my dad stood tall but I can't talk to him anymore Humble yourself. I got a picture to show you what it looks like. Seek God. Turn from your ways. There they are. Four sons that would never be, grandchildren that would never be, 70,000 mentors in 15 countries that would never be if one boy didn't love one girl when it seemed impossible. That's what I want for you. That's the formula God gave for you. He gets all the glory. God did all of this. Share the message. Let's pray. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message.